Welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. Listeners, you may have noticed that my voice is a bit scratchy in last week's episode, and again this week, I'm still fighting a bug and... I'm hoping that it will clear up very soon, but I really wanted to get these episodes out to you, so please forgive the sound of my voice. It feels good to be back here again this week. Getting back on the podcasting train has been good for my soul, and I truly thank you for tuning in to another episode. After going through my breathing therapy, as I call it, with last week's episode, I decided to follow through with implementing the tips that I shared. I'm proud to say that I have been taking my own advice, and it has certainly made a difference. Now, I have done these things before and thoroughly enjoy when I am in the state to do so. However, I always seem to end up going down the slippery slope of slacking off when the break is over and I return to work. For example, drinking adequate water and getting out in nature feels so good when I am at home. Unfortunately, these habits usually decrease once the new school year begins. I have bemoaned this situation over the years, but resigned myself to the idea that this is hashtag teacher life. During my downtime recently, I picked up a book that I bought two years ago. And the more I read it, the more I found myself confronting the idea that these things do not have to be the way they are. Picking up from some of the things that I explored in last week's episode, I really want to find a way to turn this idea into reality. Are there things in your life that you wish you could change, but you are convinced that they are inevitable? What if we could change these things and make our lives better? This week's episode is entitled, Change is Possible. Let's talk about it on the other side of this. Passionate teaching is what we do. The joy of learning brings the light too. For parents and teachers everywhere. Let your children how much we care. Rich experience I bring to you. Have you joined to share your passion too? ago, amidst all of the uncertainty in the world, I purchased a few books, hoping to get back into doing one of my favorite lifelong hobbies, reading. One of the books I bought was Angela Watson's Fewer Things Better. A lot of what she wrote in this book resonated with me, and I found myself nodding in agreement. It convinced me that change is possible, and I also decided to fully commit to doing things differently. In part one of her book, I found what I consider an affirmation, which states, and I quote here, I am worthy of better, and change is possible for me right now, end quote. She refers to this statement as belief number one. 
Many years ago, my husband told me a story about a man who was walking by a house on his way to work. As he passed various homes, he noticed dogs on porches. Some of them barked at him. However, he noticed one dog in particular because it was moaning, whining, and groaning. He figured that the dog must be in some serious pain because of the sounds that it was making. Over several days, he noticed the same situation with this dog. And finally, curiosity or concern got the better of him, and he decided to find out what was going on. He decided to talk with the dog's owner about how he had observed the dog moaning, groaning, and whimpering for a whole week. When he inquired about why the dog was making these sounds, the owner informed him that the dog was sitting on a nail. Bewildered by the response, the man exclaimed, What? Your dog is sitting on a nail? Why doesn't he get off? The owner replied, Well, it just doesn't hurt him enough. If I'm honest with myself, I have been like that dog for years. As I approach the end of every school year, I get sick and tired of many of the things that I have endured and wish that it would be different. Once summer break begins, I also start to brainstorm what I can do to make it different the following school year. It has been an annual cycle, and now is the time for me to really get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need to get off the nail that is causing me to moan, groan, and complain and do something about it. I believe that I am not the only person with a situation that may be overwhelming or needs to be changed. Some of you may face similar challenges as a parent or caregiver too. If you are in a similar situation, then it may be a good idea to work through this together with me. Maybe you can all be my accountability partners. Going through the first part of Angela Watson's book caused me to consider what myths I have accepted as facts. I also questioned how I have been using my time, what my priorities are, and how I can better use my power of choice. In this episode, I'm going to cite some of what she says and talk about my plans to finally make a change because my mental health and my physical well-being depend on it. I would definitely recommend this book to all of my teacher friends. She engages her readers in some tough conversations and urges them to be decisive in determining what is important and what can honestly be taken off the table. Let's explore some of the key takeaways that I gleaned from the book. In chapter one, Angela Watson mentioned that Quote, time can be budgeted and invested instead of just spent. It sounds like she's talking about money, right? She further states, and here's another quote from her, Imagine how our lives would be different if we gave our time the same level of thought and consideration as our money. End quote. She encourages us to plan to make time and not hope to find time and to value our time and ensure that other people respect our time too. This idea brings my mind back to what I mentioned in last week's episode about setting boundaries. 
I will be the first to confess that I am always willing to help my colleagues, students, and their families, and will sometimes sacrifice my own tasks to do so. If I take Ms. Watson's advice, I really need to find the courage to say no sometimes when the requests interfere with items on my priority list. I need to take better control of my time so that I am not perpetually being thrown off balance. However, I can establish time slots that will still allow me to help others. Another matter to consider is being intentional about how I use my time. In education circles, it is not uncommon for us to settle into established routines many times without questioning them. And we dare not step outside of the established parameters because we are obligated to be team players. However, if trying to fit in creates excess pressure and makes our workload even more demanding, isn't it worthwhile to consider making a change? In Chapter 2, Angela Watson provides a historical context of the evolution of the public school system in the United States. She also noted that, and here's another quote from her, it's clear that the teaching profession in America was never designed to offer a lifetime of strong wages or a sustainable workload. No matter how much has changed in recent decades, these core problems are still the same. And the assumption of selfless devotion to students at the expense of one's own needs still persists, end quote. I have never met a teacher who does not have the welfare of students at heart and never goes beyond the call of duty at some point. Many teachers enter the profession because they see it as their calling. Is it possible to still fulfill the calling without detriment? Ms. Watson encourages us to reject the idea that working harder will prove your value. And I agree with that statement from her. I agree with her that the work that we do is mostly undervalued. We have all heard the comments about how lucky we are to have summers off. And in recent times, that teachers are cowards because they did not want to babysit and risk their own health and well-being during the height of the pandemic. Unfortunately, all of this pressure causes us to almost kill ourselves trying to prove them wrong through constant overwork. She expressed our response in this manner, and here's another quote from her. On some level, we believe that if we have enough productive accomplishments, then society will finally appreciate us, compensate us fairly, and show us respect. So we share memes on social media about buying school supplies out of pocket, not being able to take a bathroom break, and working on our summer vacation to let non-educator friends know just how demanding the profession really is." End quote. Instead of operating in this exhausting manner, she encourages us to let go of what she calls the martyr mentality. There are several tips that she provides in chapter two that we can use to make a paradigm shift. In chapter three, she guides readers to identify priorities and she provides an exercise to help with the process. 
Her probing questions and examples provided effectively supports the process of shifting the mindset. I highlighted several sections towards the end of the chapter and underlined some sentences and couldn't help but write, yes, in all uppercase letters, exclamation point, next to an entire paragraph that resonated with me. I'll leave two of Angela Watson's gems for you to think about as I have been doing. I can feel the shift already happening and I am anticipating how this will change my mindset and operation when the new school year comes. The first one has been at the core of my belief as an educator. She stated, and I quote, your professional judgment is an asset, not a liability, end quote. I could talk about this for the length of an entire podcast episode, but that one really resonates with me. Your professional judgment is an asset, not a liability. Sometimes if we listen to administrators, we might be reluctant to exercise our professional judgment, but I've always seen it as an asset. The second point from Ms. Watson is a deep, somewhat jolting statement in my view that many of us will simply have to sit with, do some deep reflection, and come to terms with whether or not that's a fact in our situation. Here's what she says. Viewing yourself as a victim of bureaucracy is disempowering, end quote. I'm ready to take my power back because in all honesty, I have been stuck in the victim mindset. I realized that I could easily do a book review that could last an hour just on the first part of this book, but I will wrap it up here for today. Next week, I will share some more of my takeaways and I encourage you to check out this book and see if you agree with my thoughts on Angela Watson's publication and the ideas that she penned in Fewer Things Better. I'll leave another one of her quotes with you. In the introduction, she stated that, you can't do it all and you don't have to try. That's a liberating thought for me. Can you accept that idea? And does it create a sense of freedom for you too? If you agree, then you can claim the core belief or affirmation that I shared earlier in this episode. I am worthy of better and change is possible for me right now. Until next time, walk good and one love. For the joy of learning, subscribe to the teacher's strive.